We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now this the black sheep sticking it to him. I need a crib like I'm Gatsby. I need it in hand. Just understand my pockets that deep. With nothing to prove, I ain't got nothing to do. And it can't compete, and I got nothing to lose. Ah, yes. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum, the number one sports betting vibe on the internet. I am your host. Nick Dayas at Nick Dayas 10 as you can find me all things veterans minimum are at veterans minimum before we get started with a wild jam-packed episode we gotta give a shout out to one of our sponsors and that is one of our favorite trips to some of the world's most exciting locations those who join only need to purchase their slot they take care of everything else from logistics to activities to everything in between. It's a phenomenal way to meet and network with some of the top innovators and achievers from various industries. Listeners of Veterans Minimum, do you ever feel the urge to break away and discover the world with a like-minded tribe? Let me introduce you legends to Fly Me Out, the premier social travel club. Imagine if LinkedIn, Airbnb, and Raya had a travel-loving baby Whether you're looking to network with professionals on a beach or bond with creatives in the heart of a city, Fly Me Out has got you covered. Dive into curated experiences and with their platform, it's never been easier to find your tribe and see the globe. Don't just travel, make memories with Fly Me Out. If you go and download the app, use the code VM1, you'll get expedited application review. That is Fly Me Out, download the app, Use code VM1 for expedited application review. Now, joining me, my guy, for real, my guy, shout out Queens, shout out New York, uh, shout out the public school system of New York, or were you a private school boy? Did both, man. You did both. Damn. Let's go. Best best <laughs> of both worlds. My guy combo. I did, in. I did graduate. From New York City Public High School, exactly 50 years after my father did. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a public school graduate. Okay. I like it. Listen, man, it, uh, it's something that I'll maybe share with you off the record uh, due to our political climate nowadays and uh, social media. Oh, but, man. Uh, we, a, can't we just talk how we talk? Yo, listen, can't we just talk? Listen, no, no, no. <laughs> just catch what I'm saying before I go. 
I have a theory that some of the weirdest people I've ever met in my life went to private school. So, all right. And if you think of yeah, some of the, that, some of the things going on, I kind of when someone's like, "Yo, I went to a private school," I'm like, "I right, bet I'm immediately putting you in this box." <laughs> so it's public school gang through and through. You heard? Yeah, that's fair. I would give you that. I think I think that's a fair statement. <laughs> Man, how you been, bro? It's been a minute. Last time I saw you. Uh, you were here in studio. I'm glad you got to experience that. That was really dope. Shout out to you, man. You are the truth when it comes to scouting these rookies. And, and yeah, everyone Thank could you. tell you about Wemby. Everyone could tell you about the top lottery guys. But I said this before, dude. When you give a cosign to someone that is a second-round pick or a late first-round pick, I'm always like, yo, he got the combo cosign. It's a good thing. And I'm glad that you were able to join the show today, bro. Really appreciate you. It's always great talking basketball with you. And I really appreciate those words. It was interesting. Last time we talked, like we were talking about the skepticism around Wemby. And now we see what happened there. I told you it was going to be all good. I even hit you with a few bars saying I took the good away from the bad and all that. But uh, yeah, man, he's the real deal. And a combo cosign is definitely a good thing. But I definitely appreciate your words. Appreciate always being on the show, man. Dude, I want to talk some hoops with you, obviously. Um, you know, I don't know if I told you some of the bets that I made this year, but one bet that I made is, uh, and it's a team that I was really excited about. I've watched them a little bit. I've watched more NBA, I'll be honest with you, bro, more NBA through the first, like, seven, eight games than I have the last couple of years. Um, I kind of, like, tap in here and there, but I got league pass. And, um, you know, obviously now being out here, I can't watch the Knicks. So I'm watching a lot of the Knicks. And then also what's cool is like we always have games on here in the studio just on a random Tuesday or Thursday night. I bet the Thunder to be a top three seed this year. And it was a really good number. The reason why is because I'm a fan of the young team that seems like they care. The younger teams care more about the regular season because they kind of don't know any better, right? Like LeBron and them are like, yo, bro, let's just get healthy, right? Golden State is like, let's just get healthy. Let's be healthy when it matters. We'll figure it out from there. We've been there, done that. Like, all right, we're going to play a game five in a 2-2 series at Sacramento. It don't matter to us, bro. We've been there, done that. But the young teams, I feel like they've always, in the history of the league too, they seem to want those top seeds. They care more about the regular season. What are your thoughts on the Thunder through the first, you know, they're four and three at the time of recording? Yeah, even last season, going back to last season when Chet was injured, which was really unfortunate, I thought they were going to be right there to turn the corner once Chet arrived because not only was he such a talent watching him in Gonzaga, but he just fills a gap that that team needed with the rim protection and his ability to pick and pop. Josh Giddy and obviously SGA, all-star level players, and then they have another guy who could be an all-star level player in Jalen Williams who could play both sides of the floor, could get his own shot. Just the mentality of a killer, man. That guy's going to be good. They got like four or five guys that could be legit all-star level players. And I also think it's a great mesh as well. Yeah, it's uh, they got a lot of guys that, like I feel like they all complement one, one another really well. And for a young team, mm -hmm. it's rare that you see that. Um Look, like, even their losses this year, bro, two-point loss to the Warriors, a four-point loss to the Pelicans, 
Like, they're in these games close. Obviously, they got blown out by the Nuggets, but, like, the Nuggets are going to do that to a bunch of people. I think they're they're one of, like, moving forward, bro, is there a better team to, like, I know you never want to say the windows, you know, they have a 10-year window, right? Like, you just never know because especially Thunder fans, they're probably listening to this combo right now, and they're like, hey, man, this is what we thought in 2012 when we went to the finals. And then we fucking basically blew up the team kind of. We kept Durant and, and Russ, but we couldn't keep everybody that we wanted to. And then before you know it, four years after that, everybody's gone except for Russ. And now he's no longer on the team. But they got a bunch of young guys. They got guys that complement one another. And then, bro, how many first-round picks do they have over the next couple of years? Like 60? Yeah, they, <laughs> they, could like, they might be able to get like one or two more stars, right, with the stars that they already have. I mean... Yeah, if you want to put stock into a team, I'm with you, man. Put it into the Thunder because they're not the future. They're right now with youth. So that's a great combo, if I do say my soul myself, since that's my name, Dirt. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, dude, like, you know, they they can – they could afford to give up some picks because they have so many, too, from all these teams. And, like, bro, you know, segueing into the Clippers, right, like, people forget – I don't know if they forget, but – I feel like it doesn't get mentioned as much that SGA was a fallout from the trade that they made with the Clippers. Like that's who one of the draft picks was. Right. And yeah. And like, bro, the Clippers, they lose the debut of James Harden to the Knicks the other night. And uh, it's just a lot of dudes that need the ball, bro. You've played ball your whole life, right? You can, someone gotta be the facilitator. The other one gotta get buckets. When you have all these guys that need the ball in order to be successful and like high usage rates, I think it's, it's, it's a decision that I didn't like from the beginning. I've been on my anti James Harden. Like why are teams still giving this dude a chance for mortgaging the future in order to get him? It's like, bro, it's a divorce analogy, right? Like this dude's been in on four teams in four years and ain't the teams, bro. It might be you fam. <laughs> like let's be honest. So it might be hard. It might, it might be hard. And everything you're saying is right on the money. I would say, I don't know if I would have leveraged my future if I was in charge there, but I would say for this year, they increased their title chances a little bit, a little bit. I think they got a little bit better if everybody, as you could say, could sacrifice because Russ is going to have to play off the ball more. James Harden, we're going to have to see more catch and shoot from him. And Kawhi Leonard, it really all comes down to Kawhi because PG-13, that guy is incredible. He has no weaknesses. He's going to play great. But can Kawhi Leonard be that Toronto Raptors Kawhi Leonard? I think some people are skeptical about it. Some people are watching him play and say, yeah, he's close to that right now. So everybody's talking about the fit, but Kawhi got to will that team to a title if they have any chance at all. And then Russ definitely has to do a better job of – off the ball, cutting through space. I know this might sound crazy, but he needs to play that Christian Brown type role that he played with Denver, just doing all the garbage work, cutting through space, grabbing rebounds, playing defense. You're not the guy anymore, and he's going to sac- have to sacrifice even more with James Harden there. James Harden himself is going to have to play off the ball a little bit and focus more on maybe getting that catch and shoot in because he doesn't do a great job of taking those at volume, even though he's really good at it. You know, I forgot who it was that said it, Combo, and maybe you'll remember this, that the hardest the hardest thing to coach in pro sports is the aging star. Yeah. 
And like, bro, you look at it like these guys were the man for so long. And it's like, you know, in some circumstances, they're still great. But mm-hmm. especially like I was, I always would get heat from some of my boys that, that like follow basketball when I would say things like the John Morant's, the Russ, the, the John Walls of the world. I love watching them. I don't know if I would ever want to build around them because I like the more methodical break you down kind of guard, right? That like the athleticism isn't the main component to why they're good. Cause then eventually the athleticism goes. Now, what do you have to fall back on? Like Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, these guys are going to be great for four or five more years because they're also really good shooters. So like their game isn't going to need to, yeah, are they athletic? Obviously, but I'm saying it's not the windmill dunking and it's like the Blake Griffin thing, right? Like Blake was so great for seven, eight years. And then when he lost that, that pep in his step, the explosiveness, you started seeing like, yo, bro, now you got to go to the bench. Now you're, now you're one yeah. of the worst contracts in the league because who you were uh, is not who you are now. You're saying there's not as much longevity with players that their game is predicated on athleticism. You like good basketball players that maybe happen to be athletic. Yeah. Like, dude, my, my old joke used to be like, yo, Tim Duncan was the same speed in 2k from his rookie year till he ended. That's why he played. <laughs> That's why he played for, for as long as he did. Right. Dirk was never, was always slow. <laughs> Paul Pierce was no. Paul Pierce was a guy who like, he never beat you with athleticism from when he came into the league from Kansas it's like, yo, these are, those are the guys that I always liked. And I don't know, maybe it's cause like I was never the fastest, most explosive guy. I was kind of just always methodical and break you down more like, you know, uh, fundamentals. But if you look at the league now too, it's like Luca Jokic, two of the best guys in the league. They're kind of like that slow methodical. Do you think it's just a European thing? Yeah, I think Europeans, it's funny you say like you love the methodical player because it's so interesting that you do BJJ now because that's what it's all about. You don't need the speed. You just need to be methodical, right? I'm sure that's why you love that sport so much. But um, when it comes to Jokic and Luka, I think European players play with a unique cadence that the American players don't really play with. So, um, yeah, a unique rhythm, a unique cadence that's really seen in European players. And the thing with... Jokic and Luka, there's a lot of guys like those guys overseas. They just don't have the same size as them. Like, if you go overseas, you see a lot of 5'11", 6-foot guys that play like Luka. Luka just happens to be 6'9". So those guys have the elite pace and skill level with the size, and that's what makes them so elite. Luka's just so strong and plays with his own pace and so skilled and one of the best passers in the league. Like, those two, both of them are absolute basketball savants. Dude, it's really interesting what happens from a betting perspective with players. And Luca is such a good example of a combo because the last three years, no player was bet more by the public to win MVP than Luca. And obviously, he's a top five to ten talent in the league. I think it's it's not up for debate. But what happens is eventually the public gets scarred. Right? Damn, I bet on him. Didn't hit. Doesn't hit. Doesn't hit. And now he's the favorite. He's the front runner through the first seven, eight games. They're off to an amazing start. The knock that I always had on the Mavericks, bro, 
And the reason why I would tell people, yo, you can't bet Luca for MVP. And I would hear, I would get tweets, I'd get comments, I'd get DMs, and they'd say, bro, he's one of the best players in the league. He's like, yeah, that's not the issue. We're not doubting the player. It's you need to have team success. That's what was holding back Luca all these years. And that's why he was the most wagered player over the last three seasons to win NBA MVP. And then guess what happens this year, bro? 14 players got more action on them to win MVP than Luca. And now he's having an MVP season because also the team has only had one loss at the time that we're recording. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes a good gambler or an average gambler a great gambler. You have to take everything into consideration and look at all the variables. It's not that just this guy seems like he's the best player in the league and he would have a great regular season. You have to take into you have to take those things into consideration. So that's really smart of you. I think he has a great chance this year. Um, he always starts really strong. Can he stay healthy? Can he keep it up? He seems he seems to be a guy that doesn't get injured often, and I think he has a great chance to win it this year. And for the foreseeable future, I think it's going to be Jokic, Luca, Anthony Edwards, and I think eventually SGA could get in that mix as well to tie it back to OKC. Hey man. You know why Luka and Jokic don't really get hurt? Yeah, as you said, methodical. Methodical. They're <laughs> slow. They're not like, you know, like, bro, you know how many times I've seen Ja take it to the to the hoop and I'm like grabbing my knees? Or like dangerous. I'm, it's it's like it's so amazing to watch. But it's like, bro, you're a flight risk every time you leave the ground. And it's dope, right? Like he probably has the greatest collection of missed dunks in NBA history because he goes to just yeah. nuke people under the rim. But then it's like, yo, the way you're landing, right? Like you're 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 pretty small. Like your 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 frame isn't mad. He's not like Anthony Edwards, who that's your boy, yeah. bro. Edwards is yeah. your boy, and there you saw two, you saw you saw you saw him versus Celtics. They gave him their first loss. He was different in that OT, man. He was different. That guy is different, bro. They're, He's different. They're one of the teams that I sent you that I wanted to talk about because another Look at me segueing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bro, listen, we've been doing this for years. You know what I'm saying? But, dude, this is another team to tie into the Luka thing, right? Same concept. People were off Minnesota last year because of the trade with Gobert. And, look, I, I wasn't the most excited about it. But then we see the issues that they had last year. And it's a real thing, man, in the sports betting space. And this is combo why I love talking betting. Because in any sport, you could identify certain trends and certain perceptions that people have because of what's the talk of the town last offseason, whether it's good or bad, right? Oh, my God, this is the worst trade ever. How is Towns and Gobert going to work? <clears throat> so now that negative stigma carries into the next year. And I think they've been one of the surprises of the league through the first two weeks. Yeah, they're really interesting. What you're talking about is basically an elevated perspective. You're not just looking at the day-to-day. -day. You're looking how things work over time. Robert Green talks about this in his book, Human Nature. And it's a really great trait to have. So with them, it's like, again, to your point, like chemistry is not microwavable. Like it doesn't just happen like that. And they got a whole other year to get more comfortable with each other. Rudy's actually playing a lot better this year, so maybe he got more comfortable. Anthony Edwards is such a young superstar, so it was inevitable he was going to take a leap this year. And then him and Jaden McDaniels playing defense on the front line at the point of attack, and then you have Rudy Gobert, 
in the back line playing better than ever. Like he's playing at his peak where he was with Utah. Um, Cat hasn't been himself, but it hasn't hindered the team at all. So they've just been fantastic, and their defense has been really good. You mix that in with who I think is going to be MVP really soon, Anthony Edwards, and the defense with Anthony and Jaden. I think they are incredible, and they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. They were actually Denver's toughest out in the Western Conference last year, which was pretty incredible, and they're going to be even better this year. You know, do you think that because the traditional center – is like kind of slandered nowadays that when I mean is there any is there is there any more traditional centers no but what I'm saying is like having a guy like Gobert right where the back like that kind of center a lot of teams they go small right do you think it's a it's a matchup issue when you first run into it like especially come playoff time it could be difficult because there you're there you're playing them for so much longer where like on a night to night basis, it could also be an advantage too, because like, oh shit, it's it's like when you don't think so. No, I, what I'm saying is you're on point because every trend oh. has a tipping point. Yeah, right. Like when one trend goes too far, there's going to be some player that's just going to dominate the small ball era, and everything's going to have to turn back the other way. And we might see that with Wemby. Like he might just have to be too. He might just be too big for everybody at one point when he gets a little bit stronger. And you're going to have to start bringing in those bigs to guard him, even though it's going to be tough to guard him on the perimeter as well. He's an absolute alien. But as we saw, like when Shaq was the most dominant player in the league, teams had to get two or three big men just to bang with him. So the NBA changes every 10 years, and it's going to be interesting to see the next wave of what will happen in the NBA. I will say I don't think they'll ever be like for the foreseeable future like post-up bigs anymore because – it's just not analytically efficient, and the league is so influ- so influenced by the analytic era and the European style of basketball that we're not going to see the traditional big, but we're probably going to see more unicorns, like seven-foot players that could do a little bit of everything like we're seeing with Chet and Wemby. I think that's the next evolution. Man, before I let you go, bro, and I, and I love that take, like the thing about the trends, like you see it in every sport, right? Eventually right. it becomes – it's dope. It helps you win. But then after that, it's, you need the right pieces. You need the right players in order to make that happen. It's just what I've always talked about with golden States. Like, yeah, I want my team to shoot 53s a game also, but do I have the two greatest shooters of all time to help spearhead that? Probably not. That's why every other team that does it, it's not as efficient. I want to end this conversation with the hoops, man. And uh, I would love to get you back in a couple of weeks. Maybe we could do like another, another update, like, you know, early December. And then I would love to talk about the, the playing tournament too. Are you going to be out here for that? I'm not sure yet. We have to talk about it. Okay. We'll talk about it. We'll yeah. talk about it. Uh, Jamal yeah. Murray, right before we started recording, they announced he's going to be out about a month. Right hamstring. What do you make of this? They're seven and one. They're tied for the best record in the league. He's 26 years old. I felt like coming into this year, the Nuggets could be better than what they were the year before because mm-hmm. Murray was coming off like, yo, it's a real thing, right? Like in the UFC, they talk about this all the time, that when you get, when you become a champion, you get like 15 to 20% better because your mentality changes. Now you know you've been to the mountaintop. And Murray right. now, we've known how good Murray has been. And I've always said about the Nuggets that 
hey, man, don't slander the Nuggets Heat final as a small market final because 10 years ago, we felt like Golden State being in the finals was lame. And then all of a sudden, they become right. a household name and they're a powerhouse, right? Like, who would have thought Cleveland was going to be dope being in the finals? Like, no, now you got stars. Now it becomes a bigger market because of the players that you have mm-hmm. there. And <clears throat> who knows if, if like Murray and the Nuggets are going for championship number three, if he doesn't get hurt and then has to rehab the next year and then coming into last year, he's also rehabbing. So I felt like this year, him coming into the year was going to be the best Jamal Murray that we were going to see. And dude, I mean, the playoff run that he went on last year was amazing. 26, seven and five in the 20 playoff games. But you think this is going to be an issue for them moving forward? So I think that the starting lineup is going to be better than ever just because they're all young players and they're all getting better. And, you know, MPJ still getting better. And Jokic is a young star. But, you know, they did lose some depth with Bruce Brown leaving and Uncle Jeff. Um, Jamal Murray just seems to be a playoff player. Like, we've seen it in the bubble. We've seen it during the championship run. And maybe this hamstring injury is a blessing in disguise because they could get some more of their younger players involved and get that bench a little bit stronger. I think their bench is good and their starting unit is great. So if we could get that bench unit to very good, I think they have a great chance to win this year and then become a dynasty over time, maybe with some other pickups or however they want to evolve the team. But with Jokic there, I mean, they're always going to have a chance. And to me, they're still the favorites. Like, I think they're going to win it this year. As I said before, chemistry is unmicrowavable, and there's a surplus of talent in the NBA right now. But there's not a lot of teams with absolute chemistry and continuity like the Denver Nuggets have. Like, and also, I think like a lot of the star players moving around a lot helps a team who's built with who who is built from within, like the Nuggets. Yeah, that's always been one of my favorite thing about them is that they they add yeah. one to two pieces, not six, right? Like they keep the same core all these years. And also most importantly, I think, especially for us too, their head coach is from Queens, baby. Facts. Yeah, man. Yeah. Mike Malone. I remember him coaching me in a basketball camp back in the Highland college basketball camp. And he, he was a good dude, man. And it's great to see him doing well. His father left quite the legacy in the NBA and he's following in his footsteps. So he got toughness, man. That parade was amazing. Like he just got that New York swag, right? <laughs> Listen, man, you either got it or you don't. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you That's know what fact. I'm saying. He got that confidence. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. I definitely know. Yo, Combo, this was fun, man. I like doing some NBA catch-up with you. Let the people know where they can find you and some of the things that you're working on. Uh, Combo's Court, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're over 500 episodes in. We have plenty of episodes with Nick in there, so you can check them out. You just got to look through the archives. I started a new show. A la Nick himself, like I did it from Queens. I started a new in-studio show called He's With Us. I'm on B-Ball Breakdown doing live shows with Coach Nick often. And uh, you catch me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-L. And, of course, catch me on the Veterans Minimum whenever I get the opportunity to come on and talk basketball with Nick. Let's go, man. Hopefully uh, I'll hit you up off the record, and we'll see if uh, you're coming out here for Vegas the playing tournament we gotta we you know we gotta find that big sponsor to fly me in that's what we gotta do we gotta i we gotta talk to our people <laughs> we gotta make some phone calls man we gotta make some phone calls all right let's go to an ad break before we move on to some football week 10 i can't believe it's week 10 already it's crazy man no other sport like it 
you wait all summer, you wait all off season for the NFL, and then before you know it, you look up and it's almost fucking Thanksgiving, which is nuts. But let's give a shout out to one of our sponsors, uh, a very important sponsor to some, Blue Chew, baby. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Legends, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were locked, cocked, and ready? Now you can increase your performances and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. Listeners of the show, Blue Chew and Veterans Minimum want to help you have better sex, have better strokes. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. Listeners of Veterans Minimum, pay just $5 for the shipping. If you go to bluechew.com right now and use the promo code VM, all you will need to do is pay for the shipping, $5 for your first month. It's free. Just pay the shipping. Go to bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Go out there and get you some Blue Chew and really lock in. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta perform. Like we're about to perform right now with these takes. Let's bring in my guy, A Double L E N, coming live from the East Coast. Uh, I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching this on YouTube, he is not locked up, even though the background that he elects to come on the show with every week does look like a prison cell. Alan, what's good, baby? I, I really got to, like, step more over. Like, I have a Croatia poster of the legendary 2018 team, but unfortunately it's in my bedroom, and I'm not recording my bed. But, uh, yeah, I, I do got to step the artist. Because, like, when we were recording you know, back in New York, like, you had some of the best artwork. You had Biggie, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin, you had Julio, you had the late great Nipsey Hustle. Like this is inspiration. I have to. I need to really step up my game. Yeah, and Christmas is coming up. I don't really ask for much gifts. Maybe it's time for me to make this happen. Because come playoff time, I think the listeners they're they're going to expect something out of me besides these takes. Dude, <laughs> I love that you bring this up because. Uh, I just recently started buying some artwork for the crib because uh, I had a friend of mine. Um, she's also in like the content space. She came, she came by my house with a couple of her friends and we were just like watching one of the fights and I have no artwork in my entire apartment, right? And, and like my walls are like, they're like peach color. <laughs> and she's like, yo, you, you kind of looks like shit in here. <laughs> There's like no... There's no. This is like. I thought you said it's gonna be it's warm in here. Peach is a warm color. Nah, it is. But like, it you gotta have like maybe one frame or one one. You know, she's like, yo, get some New York shit. You know, like have have some. And I was and I was telling her about the studio. I was showing them about the studio back home. I had a bunch of cool stuff in that room, especially when we were recording. But yeah, man, you gotta swag it out. If I was you, I would just. I mean, you know how I am. I'm very petty. I would just find one small thing, like one little like something and just put it on the background just so that it's so out of place and so random that when people come to that room that you're in they're like why is that up there you just be like ah oh, it's for when i record i just have a little piece of a background <laughs> like just so so out of pocket so just weirdly placed what, what did joey used to do like this is back in like 2016 when uh like the bad jerseys like remember he had like the joey harrington jersey in there bro we had Man, a I, got, I got like the final bad jersey yeah, like that. Would be, it's not like a weird jersey hanging in the backdrop, like uh, like a JP Losman Bills jersey somehow. Like, bro, what's the worst jersey you ever owned? 
and and I, when i, I say like, when i say worst i mean like yeah. most random player i never got randoms but like situationally i made a bad decision like i got d'angelo hall jersey august 07 and he requested a trade to the raiders like february of 08 he was not with the mike smith era and he was just like get me out of here so i had d'angelo hall jersey and it lasted what seven months so that was probably the worst investment but i never really bought a jersey where the player was just i knew he was not gonna be a star or he wasn't established because i feel like when you get a jersey you want to get someone established like i'm not like a jets fan where i'm just gonna get like a sam Darnold jersey two games into his career like you gotta prove yourself dude how about you i i owned a white seattle seahawks sean alexander jersey how's that bad Bro, he had one MVP season. He was on a Madden cover. Was on a Madden cover, and then that's it. <laughs> I bought the jersey, and remember, these used to be the 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 heavy the heavy football jerseys. Remember the ones that were stitched oh, yeah. on? And dude, they used to. Yeah. Bro, if you remember those jer- those Reebok jerseys in like the early two thousands. Yeah. Those used to be some like it was kind of, I mean, especially for me. Well, how old was I? I was in high school, so like. No, nah, this was before that. I was like junior high school, high school era. I don't know how much yeah. I weighed, but like those jerseys were like, yeah, it was kind oh. of a heavy fit, right? But yeah, I had a Sean Alexander. Talk about a throwback. Go in the comments, write on this post. Tell us what's the worst or most random jersey you ever owned. Ever. Just I like, wish we had a stat checker song right now because I think Sean Alexander had like three good years. I don't think it was one, one hit wonder. It's not like Peyton Hill's. I'm pulling it up right now. Look, Alexander had some good years, man. Sean, just, there were so many elite running backs I have seen. Oh, yo, you know what? He had a uh, one, two, three, four, five. He had five straight 1,000 yard seasons from 01, 01 to his MVP year of 2005. Uh, double digit touchdowns every year 1,300, 1,100, 1,400, 1,600, 1,80. Um, Look at it, 370 yeah. attempts, 350, 326. You ain't getting 300 carries nowadays, bro. It's not a bad jersey, man. Go get you a Daniel Jones jersey if you want a new Ah, uh, come on, man. That was a low blow. That was a low blow. All right. Let's, uh, you want bad jersey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's uh, the only Giants reference for this episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe for the rest of the year. Um, okay. I want to ask you something before we get into this week. I don't know if you saw it, bro, but I know I, te- I mean, I know you saw it after I texted you, but I don't know if you caught this. The running back on the Steelers, who I also think is the better of the two running backs, Jalen Warren, he got fined in week seven, $48,556 for a hit that he delivered. Um, I think it was a cut block. I'm pretty sure it was like a cut block, but it was it was an illegal hit that didn't get he didn't get flagged on it during the game. NFL went, they reviewed it, and they fined them forty eight thousand five hundred and fifty six dollars. That's a crazy amount, but you know what's even crazier, bro? His game check for Week Seven was fifty one thousand dollars. That's like ninety. What, 5% of his game check he got fined? That's fucking wild, bro. 
It's ludicrous. What are we doing? Like, this, is how this is how we're enforcing rules. Like, we're going to punish players to this extent. Like, who gets fined that much? There's unnecessary roughing penalties. I think it paid, what, 5000 10000 48000 And it's just... I just feel NFL always enforces, like, you mentioned the DeAndre Smith one I felt was even worse. Oh, my God. That was another one. It was just like, what did he do wrong? Like, I, like we, we claim, we're like, look, they're rough and the passer penalties are bad. You remember the Bills-Bengals game with Josh Allen getting flagged for taunting? It's just, the league just does a horrible job when it comes to just, I feel like they act like overgrown bullies. Like, I don't just their mindset on how they're trying to enforce their rules is just, it's it's usually project problematic and it's damaging to the athletes in the sport that you know, lay it out all out there. I mean, bro, you look at some of these numbers and it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Patrick Ricard, $21,000 blindside block fine. Uh, Dante Foreman, $43,000 fine. Use of the helmet. Unsportsmanlike conduct, 13K, 13K. Roughing the passer, 14K. Uh, bro, like these are DeAndre Swift, close to $10,000 for what? Lowering his shoulder. Jalen Warren also another hit against Cleveland. Yeah, he's got multiple times. And like he's this been, is a running back. He's been fined close to $100,000 for making football plays. Dude, this is just this is crazy. Ta 10k for taunting, bro? Come on, dude. No fun league. Harder work. You know which one I agree on? Wild amount, by the way, wild amount. But I'm looking at this list. Half a million, no, $558,000 Kareem Jackson. Yeah. An accumulation of a bunch of, you know, questionable yeah. dirty hits but bro these are some of these are it, it, it's crazy man like these numbers are wild and especially when you look at a player like Jalen Warren where you're taking away over 90% more than 90% of his game check I think that's that's crazy um it's it's really wild and I, I just wanted to talk about that like what your thoughts are I feel like the thoughts are obvious but I definitely wanted just to address that. $10,000 fine I'm for taunting. It's just craziness. Where's the Players Association? Where's Troy Vincent, John Runyon? Like, there's former players that are working in the NFL right now trying to make the sport better. These are guys, they played in the early 2000s, obviously a different game, but they have to see what's going on across the league. And like, how are these fair punishments? Like, what, what's the cruelty in this? Like, we're talking about huge amounts of money. Like, you're just gonna find someone at four three thousand for a block? Like, what are you, what are you trying to get at? If you want to penalize a person, throw the yellow flag. But besides that, like nobody should be getting stiffly fined unless it's something that's egregious or really harmful. Like Kareem Jackson, yeah, he was head hunting. Fair enough, but yeah, man, poor Jalen Warren. Because yeah, it's been multiple times. Because I remember early in the season that Week Two game against Pittsburgh, that uh, excuse me against Cleveland, that was a Monday night game and. I think he like laid a hit or something and just and I remember him getting fined a couple days later because usually on Twitter you usually find out who gets fined a couple days afterwards and I remember his name coming up but now it came up again got a feel for him so I just hope the players association they do something about this offseason because 
you hate to see these players suffering like this. Bro, it was the Monday night football game and he's running up the sideline and the safety is coming or the DB. And you know, like when you're about to step out of bounds, you kind of give that guy that one extra little like thud. That's what it was, bro. $48,000. And look, J.J. Watt has been on multiple shows and he's been very outspoken. I actually got this post from him. Also, his brother has been fined a shitload of times this year, and that's another reason why he's been really outspoken. But even his have been like a uniform and equipment violation, bro. Tyree Kill got fined because he didn't have socks on. Like, it's just it's it's just really wild how the NFL is punishing these dudes, and it and it's just it's crazy, man. It's crazy. And you're right. Where is the NFLPA? Like, what are we doing? You don't see this in any other professional league. It's just, uh, all right, I, I don't know what else to add. I'm, I'm just really discouraged right now. Yeah, like and it, we're calling for really, we're calling for a really good week of football too. So this is. Fun. I know it's just, it's just wild, man. I get it. Like the Kareem Jackson hit, yeah, absolutely. Especially you hit him with a fine like that after it's been three or four different occasions where he's been actually fine, uh, penalized in the game. A lot of these, bro, these guys aren't even getting flagged. In the game. Yeah. This is and you look at a guy like Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas got concussed off one of those hits. Luke Musgrave suffered an ankle injury because of one of those like he those hits have led to injured significant injuries. So uh I could see that, but besides that, it's just it's so petty. Like no nobody's winning here, nobody's doing anything right here. Like there's nothing to gain out of this. Just no fun league. No fun league, yeah. All right, let's let's try to lift the spirits up a little bit. Uh, get into some of these games of the week. Uh, really interesting games. You know, I when I first like glanced at the slate, I was like, okay, we got we got some banger games, and the ones that I think we're gonna highlight are really really good. Uh, and I want to start with Jaguars versus the Niners. Are you worried about where the San Francisco 49ers are right now? Around week ten, some of the Dolphins are not because I want to see them hundred percent. When you lose Trent Williams and Debo Samuel, we're talking about two All Pro caliber talents. Trent Williams, best left tackle in the league. So while I think the Steve Wilkes scheme has been a little bit problematic, like you see teams are running on San Fran. Like I was stunned how because since he can't run on anybody, like that's been the one knock you could say on the Bengals the last what two three years. And they ran all over the 49ers. So that's a, that was a big concern. But I think just a full strength 49ers team, they could beat anyone. So, look, they have their blips. They had it last year. And then they won, like, what, nine games in a row? So I'm not overly concerned about them. I just think getting healthy and now adding Chase Young, I feel like they're going to be back. And sometimes you just need that bye week. So uh, I, I, I'm confident they'll be back and they'll be, you know, top two seed in the yeah, and the bye week came at a good time for them. I feel like now is when you would want your bye week. I love when a team has a week nine, week ten bye week. Like I like that Phillies on a bye this week, um, especially with how Miami too. Yeah, well Miami, yeah Miami also coming coming from overseas. Um, and look, man, I feel like the Jaguars. I don't know what it is, but you know they're also coming off a bye. Um, so you have two teams coming off a bye playing each other. And 
in the AFC, they have just as good a record as these top teams, but it's always it's Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Kansas City, and we've been guilty about it too. But the running game is good. Trevor Lawrence is good. They have the weapons. Calvin Ridley is like a non-factor the last couple of weeks, but we know what he could bring to the table. What is it about Jacksonville that people are neglecting, including in one of the top teams in the AFC? They don't really have a complete win. As good as they play against Buffalo, that was maybe their one signature win. I'm not talking about level competition. I just think they leave a lot on the field. They are actually the worst team in the league in short yards conversion rate. Like when it comes to third one, they just cannot convert. They're wasting a lot of red zone opportunities. The offense at times, they don't pass protect particularly well. If anything, the defense is overachieved. Like they are surprisingly one of the better defense in the league. But I just think them not having that, you know, Baltimore, they've just put on absolute stellar performance against the likes of the Lions and the Seahawks and the Chiefs have had their signature performances. And you know, the Bengals are tearing up now. It's just, I feel like Jacksonville outside the Buffalo game. And even that game, they had some stumbles. Like Trevor Lawrence, I think, had two bad turnovers. It's just they had these self-inflicted mistakes, and it, and it it kind of it just shows up. And it's just like, all right, this team's good, but you can't get away with this against the league competition. So I think that's what's kind of holding them back from being put in the upper echelon. I agree with you to a certain extent, and this could be my preseason bias, but or maybe the better in me that liked that spot a lot for Pittsburgh and they went into Pittsburgh and beat them rather comfortably. But you're right. Like they haven't really had a statement dominant win or a complete game. Cause even with the bills game, like let's not forget that was a really weird spot for Buffalo. They had to go to London where the Jaguars were already in London from the week before I, I had predicted that I liked the Jaguars in that game, at least the cover. They were like a six point underdog. I didn't see them winning that game outright. But you're right. After that, it's the one big opponent that they had. They they couldn't do anything against Kansas City. They got smoked by the Texans in division. So, you know, I always put a little asterisk when you lose in division. But this is going to be a big one, dude. This is going to be a big one for sure. I want to see... I want to see San Francisco get right, dude. Because if they lose this game, bro, this is four straight losses for them. And this is a team that... We kind of were ready to just say, yo, them in Philly in the NFC title game, which I still believe, right? Like, look, we've seen teams in the past, the Rams struggled on the year they went to the Super Bowl. They lost a couple of games in a row. It, it, it's happened to teams, and they still get to where they want to get to. Um, even Kansas City a couple of years ago, they went to the AFC title game, and they started the year off like four and three. And everyone's like, what's happening in Kansas City? So hmm. I'm not ready to completely panic, but... Let's get let's get back into the swing of things. 49ers, Brock, Shanahan, you know. Yeah. Obviously, and I understand to, you need to have everybody healthy for sure. But like, listen, man, I'm I'm tired of offensive line play, Allen, I think across the league sucks. Like there's some <laughs> there's some really bad O line play, bro. Watch the Monday night game that just took place. I don't need to. I watch my team every week for a decade. It seems like for a decade they don't have a good offensive line, which blows my mind. They have one good offensive lineman in Andrew Thomas, and when he's out, it's like a JV team out there, and that's even slandering JV teams. But there's a lot of bad offensive line play. And, dude, C.J. Stroud don't exactly got the best offensive line in the world, and he's lighting it up. So for me, when I hear excuses about the offensive line, yeah, it's it's very important. I think it's the most important thing that a team could have 
especially when you see how bad offensive line play is, like that that might be creeping up to number one, bro. Like, because you can have an amazing quarterback. If you got a shit O-line, it don't even matter. So now I feel like moving forward, I would want to have an A-plus offensive line and I could get away with a C C minus quarterback. Maybe that's what Brock Purdy is with San Francisco. Maybe that's what a lot of guys are in the league, but they have a great offensive line in front of them. But with all that being said, like you got to be able to, you still have a lot of weapons, bro. You still got Kittle. You still got Ayuk. You still got McCaffrey. Yeah, Debo is an amazing player. One of the most versatile players in the league too. And we know what he means to that team. But if I'm a Niners fan, it's like, bro, you still got guys. It's not like other teams where you take away the number one weapon and it's just a complete nightmare. So that's just a rant about the Niners as far as these excuses kind of got to chill, bro, because you still have a lot of talent. Yeah, it's fair. But they also haven't lost to slouches. Like, all three of their losses are to winning teams. You know, hey, hey, the Vikings. Vikings are a winning team right now. We know how good the Bengals are, and Browns have arguably, if not the best defense, definitely top five. So, you know, they've been some feisty, hard-fought games. So I'm definitely not down in Niners. It's just I, th- I think they just have to play from in front because I, I assume you know the stat, but they're like 0-38 if they're chilling by eight or more going to the fourth quarter. Like they just cannot play from behind. So I think their strategy always has to be going forward. They have to play the lead because that's where they could get the pass rush going. That's where they get create with the running game and then use that play action because when they're, when they're operating efficiently, that it's got to be through play action because that's just the Shannon system. That's where party, uh, you know, gets those high percentage looks to Kittle and Ayuk. So, um, I, I don't, Niners, they'll get together. I think this team is so ballot tested and they're just way too talented to fall. Look, man, I think this wrinkle of throwing Chase Young into the mix is going to be really fun to watch. Uh, I know him and Nick Bosa were boys at Ohio State and they're excited to play together and it's a fresh start for him. Could be a rental potentially. He's already said that he's not worried about his contract right now. He'd rather just perform on the field where the other guy, Sweat, who got traded from Washington, he just got the bag, $72 million guaranteed from Chicago. Chase Young wants to go out there and prove it. And I think this is a cool thing for Chase Young because now he's not the focal point. He's more of a luxury on this team with how much talent they have on that front line where – it was sort of the thing that I was talking about with Odell. Remember when Odell went to the Rams, Alan? We were doing this show together then. And when they first got Odell Beckham, it was like, dude, you got Van Jefferson. You got Higby. You got Woods. You obviously got Cup. Oh, we're throwing Odell in now? Dope. And then what happens? That week, Robert Woods blows out his knee. Now it's like, dude, we're going to need you, need you now. It's not just an yeah. a, a extra weapon for us. It's like... We're going to need you to step up, and he did when he was with the Rams. The reason why I'm saying all this is because Chase Young now, like you got Hargrave, you got Armstead, you got Nick Bosa, you got Warner behind them to clean up a bunch of shit. You got a really good defense, and now it's like, bro, just go out there, and you're probably never going to get double teamed on the edge. You're going to be able to maneuver him around because he is also versatile. I think this could be something big, and it could – this is going to be the first time that we see him with the Niners. I think that's one of the most exciting things for me to watch this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we haven't talked about the Jags so much. We uh, have no. make our picks too. But we have. Yeah, like and, and look, and this is how I introduced the Jags segment. How no one's talking about them and they're 6-2. and two. 
coming off a bye. They have a stud quarterback. They have weapons on offense. Defense is, you know, still got a ways to go. I also, Doug Peterson might be one of my favorite coaches in the league, bro. Like, he is a great, great schemer. Uh, he the, the guys like playing for him, too. Everywhere he goes, he turns the program around almost immediately. And, you know, come playoff time, I think about this often. And that was a that was a big reason why I was so all in on Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Not that Sirianni isn't a, a top tier coach, but it's like Andy Reid on the other side. It's like I feel like that's an edge, and I feel like Doug Peterson going into almost any matchup in the AFC off the top of my head that he'll run into. It'll be hard to pick someone other than him at the head coach position, bro. It's like Andy Reid and then I think him in the AFC. Put Harbaugh up there, put Tomlin up there, but Doug Pearson just always feels like Harbaugh. he always has those in-game adjustments. Yeah. Like, like he always knows how to counter. Like, that's the thing with Doug And you know he's fearless. He's always going to go for a fourth down. I just think he's just so great at game planning. And then if things kind of go awry, he knows how to just mix in a play action here or mix in a screen. Or he, he's done such a great job isolating Eric, uh, Evan Ingram. Like, Evan Ingram always had the talent, but I feel like Doug Pearson just his offense has maximized Ingram's skill set, and he just knows how to get Ingram open and you know produce those chunk plays. So, no, I'm with you on Doug Pearson. He's definitely one of the best, and it's it's a great matchup. Like the, you know, this is the type of game. Like I'm I'm frustrated with the NFL right now between the Jaguars and the Ravens. These are two teams that just haven't gotten any national spotlight. Like, look, I'm not gonna slander New York teams. I feel like they got enough slander. Bears. They've gotten their share of slander. Like NFL, like get your flexing system right. Like start putting the Jaguars and the Ravens on prime time. Like these two teams never again completely they're just buried at one o'clock. Like, no, these teams everyone wants to watch them. Put them put them on TV, put them on their lights. Bro, you this might be one of your best takes ever. Cause like the, people are gonna watch the NFL anyway. So why not just give them good games on primetime? Like why? Oh, we give them Jets Raiders. Yeah, and like, why are the Giants, bro? How many? They played Thursday night. They played Sunday night. They played Monday night. It's like, what do you? Why? Like, they weren't exciting. They weren't going to be an exciting offense coming into the year anyway, right? Like, fuck, man. I went to the game the other day, Allen, with a couple of the guys that I do jujitsu with, and like, you know, they're not the biggest football fans in the world. They're kind of getting into football now. A lot of it because, like, you know, hanging out with me all the time and shit, and uh. I was telling them, I was like, because, you know, they were trying to troll me because, you know, they're all from Vegas, like, originally, and they're trying to troll me about, I'm like, bro, I don't really care. Like, the team sucks. They're not fun. They're not exciting. Like, at least if the Giants are going out there putting 30 points a game up and they were losing because they couldn't stop anyone, I'd be like, oh, at least they're fun and entertaining. But they're not even that. Yeah. You know, they're not even that. So that's the second mentioning of the Giants in this segment, even though we said we weren't <laughs> going to last one. Hopefully the last one, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Jacksonville, bro. I think Jacksonville. Ooh. I think Jacksonville gets it done, and then I think I think Brock Purdy might struggle, and then I think you're gonna hear a lot of conversation about what's wrong with the Niners, Brock Purdy. There's a reason why he's Mr. Irrelevant. I also want to say, bro, I might have jinxed him because they haven't won a, they haven't won a game since I shot that video. And I put that clip up of like, why can't we just say that he's a good quarterback, bro? Like, why do we have to wait for him to fuck up? 
They haven't won since. I don't think, even think he's playing that bad. It's just when turnovers happen. Yeah. It, it, that's what's happening with Gino right now. Like I don't think Gino's playing that bad. It's just when the turnovers start adding up, the pressure's going to start ramping up. But I don't want to hear anything about Sam Thurl. I want to hear anything about Drew Locke. Like, look, let these quarterbacks work through their issues. And I'm I'm confident Brock Purdy will get it together. I'm going with the Niners. I think if you were listening to this, you could tell by my tone of voice. I'm still very much a believer in the Niners. I do love Jacksonville. I just think they waste plays, and this is not the game where you could waste opportunities. Like they're bound charge, they don't pass protect well. I could see Trevor really struggling this one, so I'm going to go with the Niners. Okay, we are running up on time. I want to throw a curveball at you. You and I know what other games we wanted to talk about. Which of the two would you prefer talking about, and which of the two do you think? Uh, people would be more excited for this weekend. And that's the one that will close as the show as, on. As much as I love Texans-Browns, I feel like that game, we kind of know who we're going to pick. Ravens-Bills, uh, excuse me, Ravens-Browns is, I'm intrigued. Like, this might be the match of the two best defenses in the league. And I feel like we were robbed in that first matchup because Deshaun was out. It was like a late thing. So I think... With the Browns, the way they're playing right now, and the Ravens firing all cylinders, to me, this is the game of the week. Yeah, absolute slugfest in the AFC North. Right now, Allen, if the season was to end, all four AFC North teams were going to make the playoffs. It was something that I talked about on the preview show. I talked about it on the Monday show earlier. This division, in the last 25 years, no division outlook was better than this one from a win total standpoint 41 and a half sorry 40 and a half total wins was what were the win totals for these four teams and the afc north the browns ravens steelers and the bengals that's the highest in the last 25 years from a win total and it's playing out that way look it's been ugly it's been gross for a lot of these teams with the exception of baltimore they've pretty much been the most consistent solid team of the four in the division, every other team has had like their wild issues. This division is playing out exactly how I thought it would. And you're right. This matchup, the first time we saw it, Watson didn't play. And now the Ravens are six point favorites. They're at home, talking to town, doing a little sprinkle on that. A lot of people loving Baltimore. A lot of people loving Lamar, and rightfully so, right? Rightfully so. I think they are. One of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league. I, th I think the team up in Philly would definitely have a, a claim to that. But this game, man, is really interesting because it's always it's always a slugfest. It's always a low-scoring game. Comes down to a field goal kind of when these two teams play. And I want to see Watson in this spot because he hasn't really he hasn't really had a AFC North like welcoming. He hasn't had to play. In you want to see if the Monday night game against Pittsburgh wasn't a welcoming? Yeah, and he lost it. And he and he was the reason why they lost that game. Like, when I mean welcoming, yeah. it's like, yeah, he got introduced in that game too. But it's like, man, you need to – this defense is really good, really, really good. Like you said, one of the, the three best defenses in the league, probably the two best defenses in the league. It's like, bro, you need to win these games in division. You need to go on the road in Baltimore and Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and get these W's. And you got to show out in this game, Alan. 
Yeah, I'm curious to see how Watson's going to handle it. Because to me, this type of matchup, he's going to probably throw the ball 35, 40 times. And is he going to be able to handle that responsibility? Because many of the games that he's played in so far this year, where you look at the Titans game, you look at the Bengals game, you look at the recent Cardinals game, the Browns have completely dominated defensively and they've been able to play out in front. I want to see what Watson's like if he has to play through adversity. Now, we've seen him under adversity and it has not been good, but now we're talking about a game that I think is going to be very competitive and it's probably the most complex defense. Like, you know, we talk about coordinators. I think Mike McDonald, you could put him right up there as the new hot coaching candidate. I think him and Ben Johnson are going to get the most inquiries come January. Like, he's just doing a phenomenal job. Like, like the whole, like, do you understand the, the Ravens defense? Their two edge rushers are Kyle Van Noy. And Jadavian Clowney. Kyle Van Noy was on the Pat McAfee show as like a co-host in September. And then they just give him a contract. And now he's producing back-to-back sacks against the Seahawks. And Clowney, like, I feel like he signs with a team in late August and just then does his thing. Like, it's insane what the Ravens defense has become. So Watson's going to be under a lot of the rest. And I think this is the game where I, I don't think they can lean on the running game. And he's just... He's better be ready to throw the ball 35, 40 times. I think Stefanski's a good coach. I'll put him in good situations, but there's going to be times third and long. Can he handle the blitz? Can he make those tight window throws? Because we just haven't seen it since he's joined the Browns. Hey, do you think that when you when you look at Baltimore, do you think this is the best offense Lamar Jackson has ever had around him? Going to say yes, just because I love the dynamism. I love the variety of pass catchers. But look, let's not sleep on some of those Greg Roman offenses. Like, yeah, they have the pass catchers, but their running game was lethal. Like, they absolutely eviscerated teams on the ground. But in terms of just all-around unit, like, man, they, they got a juggernaut. Like, they, it, you see what they're doing right now. Like, they got pass catchers all over. Like, say what we want about Nelson Aguilar, but the fact that he's your fourth receiver – you take that any day of the week. And now that Odell's getting healthy, I think this is the best offense he's ever played with. The reason why I also ask you that is because he's a front runner for MVP, and he's also won an MVP without the kind of talent that he has on his team now. And look, man, I think Lamar got paid this offseason. And... I think he wants to let people know that they made the right decision. He was getting a lot of hate. A lot of people were confused as to why he wasn't getting paid. And then a lot of people were like, yeah, no, they're probably not going to pay him. And he was like, oh, word? All right, y'all must have forgot. Y'all must have forgot that I've won an MVP. Basically make the playoffs every year that I'm healthy. The only time we don't make the playoffs is when I get hurt. And then guess what? Last year, they were like the one or two seed. And then he went down. And then they ended up sneaking into the playoffs. But it was the year before that, too. Right. So like this is a y'all must have forgot. And he's playing like that. And he's playing. He's distributing the ball everywhere. Like guys are it's not just Mark Andrews, even though he's the main focal point. Like he's getting other guys involved. Like, dude, Odell scored a touchdown for the first time in like four hundred days. It's been a while for him. And and Gus Edwards, everybody, including myself, was like, yo, Derrick Henry would be a dope trade candidate to go to Baltimore. Like maybe they could give a second round pick for Saquon Barkley. And then Gus Edwards quietly is like the third leading rusher in franchise history. Just start here, start there. Your eight carries in uh, in garbage time. It's like guys, yeah, he's just getting getting on there, and he's just been really solid for them. And that's why I asked you that because 
we haven't seen a version of the Ravens like this. And and it's going to be really fun to see them go up against this defense. Great. What do you I know you were really high on the Browns. Are you optimistic about them? I know it's been like a roller coaster ride given the uncertainty QB, but I don't know, where, where do you like do you see them as a playoff team at the moment? I think the AFC is so good at quarterback that until proven otherwise with Deshaun Watson, I'm going to say no. Like a, um, yeah, the defense is amazing, but look, maybe they get in, but they go up against a, a Burrow or, or a Mahomes in the playoffs. I'm going to be worried, especially when Watson is not you know, 20, 2019 Watson, which is another thing that people keep forgetting. It's like, well, he's not the same guy he was then. It's like, yeah, no shit. That was four years ago, bro. That was four years ago. That was an entire World Cup cycle ago, bro. Like, yeah, shit changes, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is this such a shock? And we're not even talking about him not playing and then all the allegations off the field and then being hurt also and going to a new team. This is just like, you want this guy to be something he was four years ago? Bro, I'm not who I was last year. You want this guy to be the same thing that he was four years ago? It's just crazy. And until proven otherwise, I think their defense is amazing. But I think the quarterback's going to be an issue. Yeah, and... uh... These are the types of games that you feel the loss of Nick Chubb. Not being able to run the ball with Nick Chubb 20 times if needed is just, ah. Uh, like, they've gotten good production on the ground game because the offensive line's so good, but, you know, Nick Chubb just gives you the extra juice. Like, he's someone you know you could depend on three, four carries in a row, and he's going to deliver. So, uh, it's, it's going to take a really good coaching job. Like, I think this is a great coaching matchup. Definitely be prepared to see a ton of blitzes from both teams. And I think ultimately it comes down to which quarterback, ironically, I think it's going to be ball protection. Like, who's going to turn the ball over less? Because I think we're bound to see turnovers in this game. These defenses, they know I get after it. Like, like this dude, Geno Stone, like, if you watch Ravens highlights, every week Geno Stone gets an interception. Like, it's it's unreal. Like, I no one knew who he was two months ago, and now he has, like, six interceptions, and he's essentially earned a starting role, uh, I think, because of Marcus Williams got injured, and he was a high-priced signing. Like just the Ravens just have these playmakers that emerge. Like, because when you look at their defense, it's pretty much like Roquan Smith is the star. Like, he's arguably right up there with Fred Warren's the best off-ball linebacker league. And then it's just good veterans and good contributing players. Like, it's like the Ravens don't have the star power defense. It's just they're so well coached, and they just they get after. It. That's really much it. That's who I'm picking to win this game. I think I'm going with the Ravens. Even you though, still have a conviction. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. I'll tell you this. I like that plus six. I think okay. it's a field goal game. I think it's a classic game winner, Justin Tucker. And I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go 20, I'm gonna go 20 to 17 Baltimore. Wow, I would go the exact same score. Ooh. <laughs> that's that's well, yeah. I'm gonna go and bet that correct score, baby. Because because these all you know these offenses will score, but it's gonna be a defensive game. So it's like you got to find that happy medium. And the, if both these teams kind of struggle in the red zone, I think that's the one flaw with the Ravens. Like you saw the Titans game in England and a few other games. Like the Ravens can be frustrated in the red zone. So I think the Browns are really gonna make them work for it. But uh, yeah, I think the Ravens just have too much uh, to, to blow this game. But 
Like it's it's gonna be exciting. And so I'll mention it. I think Amari Cooper is quietly having one of his best seasons ever. Like you see every week, Amari Cooper is just making plays downfield, getting separation. Like he's having one of these vintage Amari Cooper seasons, and I think he deserves more praise because there's so many good wide receivers out there, and he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. I mean, bro. Last thing I'll say about this game and with Amari Cooper is the put put that video up on TikTok. Uh, at Veterans Minimum on TikTok if you're not following also. And that video kind of blew up. And it was a video where I was like, bro, I keep forgetting that he's on the Browns. And then like oh, close to 100 comments were like, bro, me too, me too. Like he was such a, you know, America's team and whatnot. And then the quarterback issues. And then there was one comment that was like fucking casual. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it. That's that an MMA fan yeah, comment right there. That is. Hey, man, this was fun. Uh, I'm excited to see what these games bring this weekend. Let the people know where they can find you on social media if they don't follow you already. Uh, Alan Sturk, A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. Yeah, we got a great week ahead. I love that all the all the great games are at 1 o'clock, while the Giants and Falcons are both at 4 o'clock, so we can actually thoroughly enjoy and dial in on these 1 o'clock games. Fucking Giants, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey man, we'll talk we'll talk next week, bro. Uh, as always, thank you for having me on, man. Before we bring in our guy Kenny Bets Big, let's give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Wager Attack. Are you guys ready to take sports betting to the next level? Look no further than Wager Attack, the ultimate online sports book. For the true sport degenerates with a wide range of sports, live betting options, competitive odds, and a live casino, Wager Attack is where winners play. Join today using the code VM and get match deposit bonuses and free play rollovers when depositing at the cashier. And we want to thank Wager Attack for rocking with us throughout the football season and are the official odds provider for Veterans Minimum. Joining me now, my guy, KBB, as we're finally over 500. Don't let the boys get hot. Don't let the boys get hot. Seven and three in the last two weeks. That's what I'm on, bro. What are you on, baby? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not far behind you. Uh, my energy would match, but uh, I'm a couple, couple blends deep right now. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh. <laughs> I'm on, uh, I'm on, I'm on cloud nine right now, but, uh, no, yeah. I, did I not tell you in the beginning of the season when you were getting on me that we were going to heat up at the right time and we would make a run at this. I knew, I knew it would happen. It was just a matter of time. Listen, man, I, I learned my lesson. All right. I needed to be pulled aside and be like, yo, bro, you called me out on the show, which was great. That's why we're good friends. I like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Listen, there was the there was the post, uh, there was a post in a pre era of uh, the Kenny promo on the podcast. All right, and ever since then we've been good. We've been we've been agreeing on a lot of our picks too, which I think has been a really cool thing that uh, has made it also easier for us making these picks that we make every week. And I know we didn't have you on the Monday show for Monday winners, but we're here on Wednesday at the time that we're recording. Kenny, I want to start off by asking you. Uh, a question. We're entering the second half of the year, right? And one thing that's jumped out to me, I know we touched on it in the past, is how difficult it's become 
not, I don't know if it's difficult, but like how much better the public is doing this year than years past. Is there something you could spotlight or nitpick at as to why that might be the case? Um, I think, I think the biggest thing is just how the information is distributed nowadays. Right. Um, with the internet and social media and just how big betting has become, um, you know, back then, you know, you know, it was more like a hush hush type thing. Like you didn't want people to know that you were betting on sports, right. Um, when you were betting through the local bookies, but now it's become so big and, and so, you know, it's everywhere. Can't turn on ESPN without seeing anything about sports betting that the information has just become so widespread available that there's not really as much of like the, uh, proverbial like sharp spot, Right. They're a little they're a little bit harder to find. Like I have one this week that I absolutely love, uh, which we'll talk about later. But um, I just think that the um, I think you gave the example the one time we talked about it, how when the season opened up with the Steelers versus the Jags, the Steelers would have been a typical where majority of the money would have been on one side of that game. And not that that always matters, but, um, you know, we see how these games play out. I'm sure, I'm sure it dictates a little bit, but, uh, it, you know, now the money and the bets are so usually dead split in a lot of, in a lot of instances, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. And you know, it was, uh, it was the Niners game that we were talking about Niners Steelers to open up the year, how, uh, you know, the Steelers would have been a prime like pro betters game that they would bet on. But then all the public was like, that was the public dog for the week. And that game was never coverable after like the second drive of the game. You know, all that momentum <laughs> that the Steelers had in the preseason. Um, dude, one thing I want to give a shout out to, bro, is my, my favorite thing about this show. And the one thing I've always wanted to do is to have fun with the sports betting, but to, to help people identify the trap games or to see things the way we do. And uh, I got to give a shout out, man, to everyone that's a Patreon member and that's in the discord too. Cause dude, I got to get you in the discord, bro. Cause the amount of people that have been like, yo, Nick, you and Kenny, this, this is the Ursalita game or, yo, this is a Monday winner. I could see it already. And yo, it's, it's games that we might not make that decision, but it's like, it's in the ballpark, bro. It's games that I know for a fact they weren't making these selections, you know, last year or the year before. And it's cool to just see, like, they're seeing the things that we're seeing. And that I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone that listens, bro. And, and I uh, wanted to tell you that too, live on the air, that people are seeing the, seeing the spots that we like to target. No, yeah. And, you know, you, it's, it's beautiful to see because, oh, yeah. uh, and, you know, when I started my page, that's, that was the main reason I started my page was I had friends who got kind of taken advantage of by like a Vegas Dave of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, dude, this guy is, doesn't even know the first thing of what he's talking about here. I should make a page just kind of educating people. And that's how I really even got started doing this. Um, so, yeah, it's awesome to see that, you know, those things have become a little bit more widespread knowledge and people are able to pick up on the sharper angles. But at the same time, um, it does water down um how lucrative I think those spots can be. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point too. But it's uh it's just cool, man, to see. And and you're right, dude. That's you know, a couple of weeks ago you were you were saying on the show how like, dude, I've been getting crushed this football season. It's just been a, a weird and tough spot. And not a lot of people that do what you do actually go out and say that. And that's another reason why I like having you on the show. And it's all about transparency, man. And uh 
I'm ready to lock into these games. And one game. Hold on, real quick. Before we move on, I just want to say one thing about that. You're you're absolutely right. <clears throat> Transparency is huge. And another thing that, like, for example, a lot of my clients learned this past week, bankroll management and the way you structure bets, that's also just as huge. Um, I went from having one of the worst seasons probably that I've ever had in recent years, uh, the first, you know, seven, eight weeks of football. In one weekend, uh, I turned that around 180%. Yeah, that would be the term. Uh, <laughs> capped off Monday, almost a 30-unit day. Uh, Sunday, over a 20-unit day. And Saturday uh, was the biggest bet I ever made in my life, oh. uh, which my clients also got that bet as well. Um, so literally in a three-day span, things went from being just a disastrous to now up on the season if you followed the advice dude so it's crazy yeah. how things work out you just gotta stick to it bro 100 percent, man and bankroll management unit size right like one thing that i do in the patreon when i give out the picks it's like my favorite pick of the week is a three unit play right and i tell people this all the time how if i give you like kenny and i we do we do five picks a week for circa of those five, we'd like all those picks, but there's that one pick or maybe two picks that we really like, right? Like those, yep. there's there's a way, dude, and in the contest, it sucks if we go two and three, but there's a way where, you know, you're giving out five picks, we're giving out five picks, we go two and three, but the two that we hit on are like our favorite bets of the week or the month or the year, and if you are managing your bankroll the right way, if you are targeting these spots, if you're following the advice and you're betting bigger on those, for example, it's like, dude, you could go two and three and have a better week than you would going four and one. So it's just something that's really important. I do want to dive into these picks. I, Ursalita this week, is it weird if Ursalita is a 17-point favorite? <laughs> I hope you're not going there, right? I'm going right no, there, bro. I'm going right there. You can't be. Listen, man. You listen. can't be. That's crazy. The, the, you you think the Cowboys? I think the Cowboys. And the reason why I say it's Ursalita is because historically we don't like taking basically a three possession favorite. Right. But it's, it's terrible. It's ter as bad of a spot as you could take. But but here's the thing. I don't hate it because the Cowboys had the Cowboys won that game against the Eagles. I would I would really hate this spot, but because they lost in the fashion that they lost in, I don't hate it as much. Um, but it's just so many points. Yeah, that's why it's Ursalita because it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, can't yeah. see. I just can't huh. see how the Giants generate points. Remember earlier in the year where I was like, dude, we need to start handicapping the fact that Dak Prescott. He's poppy when it comes to the Giants, bro. He just hasn't he hasn't lost to them in, in six yeah. years. He's won like eleven straight games uh, against yeah. them. You're right. You're right. And you did say that. And if Tommy DeVito is like the confirmed starter, then yeah, I think the, the Cowboys have to be a play, right? It's just scary because that's the ultimate, I would imagine, square bet as well. Because think about how many seven to ten point teasers the Cowboys will be in. Um, I mean, the money line is so outrageous i doubt the money line will really be a factor in parlays but um you know what i mean it's just one of those spots where everyone is kind of thinking what, what we're talking about right now yeah 
Yeah, but and that's why that's why it also almost, checks it checks the boxes for Ursalita because it's gross. You're not gonna want to hit confirm, but it delivers. You, you're right, but your other thing is also the talk of the town, right? And there's two talks of the town this week. It's one how great great the Bengals are, which is gonna lead to what my Wednesday winner is. I love the Texans this week. Like the Texans is plus seven. Are you kidding me, dude? What? CJ Stroud is a baller. Um, <laughs> he's, he just put up 39 points to let the game winning drive. What with 40, was there 40 seconds left on the clock when he got the ball? Yep. Bro. Yeah. You kidding me? You're going to give me CJ Stroud with seven there on the road. Texans defense. I mean, they got 37 hung on him, but they haven't looked terrible this year. Nah. And dude, that was something from the preseason episode. It was like, look, the Texans got a lot of no name dudes on the defense, but they got some ballers. There's some. There's some second-year guys. They've drafted really well. And also, I think we needed to factor in D'Amico Ryan's going there. Like, he changed the culture yep. down there, bro. And, like, that team that team is good. They're at 500. I, I don't think I'm going to take the Bengals in this spot. I do like the Texans a little. My only concern, and it was something that I talked about with Allen earlier in the show, is how do you feel about the defensive coordinator, Sweet Lou from Staten Island, being able to game plan something, dude, because he's five and one against Mahomes and Burrow, uh, Mahomes and Allen, excuse me. Now you got this rookie on the road, a little talk of the town buzz with the Texans, more so CJ Stroud than the Texans, but that's kind of where I'm at when I, um, I was trying to handicap this game. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I can see that. I just think that's a typical classic. Everyone is going to be piling on the Bengals there. And I just think it's like a game too late, right? Especially when you have the Ravens the following week. Um, like if they were if they were playing the Jets the next week, then I wouldn't like this spot as much. But because they're playing the Ravens the following week, and that's essentially for the AFC North, right? Like the Ravens, they've already beat them. Had they played this season once? Yeah, they beat them week two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the Ravens already beat them once. The Ravens look like one of the best teams in the league. <clears throat> so I, I think that's a, a classic look ahead spot for for the Bengals, especially coming off the the wins that they've just recently had. Right. The Niners, the Bills, they've had some big wins um, to. Yeah, I love that spot for the Texans. I don't think the Texans win outright, but seven, maybe it goes up to seven and a half. I love it. Dude, I'm starting to remember something that I said a couple of years ago. People call it the a trap game. I, I like to call it the sandwich spot. Right in between the two mm -hmm. buns is, is the meat and the lettuce and the tomato. Right, you had the the Bills the week before. Now you got the Texans at home, talk of the town. Right, I don't think that the Texans yep. are going to win outright. But listen, I've been driving the Joe Burrow bandwagon for MVP the last three weeks. Love the Bengals. I took a future on the Bengals in the beginning of the year. Now I doubled down, tripled down on them after their slow start. And then you got the Ravens, and it's on Thursday night football too. So yeah, exactly. it, could be, it could be one of those like, man, what's wrong with the Bengals? And then they went by a field goal kind of thing, right? Like I could definitely see yeah. that playing out. You swung me on this. I was going to pass on this game entirely. Now I feel like it has to be Houston or pass, dog or pass situation. Yeah, that's one. I love the Texans to be up at the half and the Bengals to storm, come back and win the game. Dude, you know, one like of my that. friends, one of my friends has been betting that with the Steelers and he's also done it with, uh, 
He's done it with the Eagles, but the other way around, where he money lines them first half and and whole game. And you could get yep. like you yep. could get like plus one ten on a minus three hundred favorite for them to win the first half and the second half. You know, win the whole game. Um, in in soccer, it's one of my favorite bets to make, dude. Sometimes, like it's called halftime, full time, and it's basically one yep. team to be winning in the first half, and then in the second half for them to end up losing that game. And you could get in soccer, bro. You get like thirty five to one on some of these. NFL not as juicy. But I kind of like what you were saying, especially if we think of them coming out slow, maybe looking ahead. Maybe it could be like a, you know, 17-7 halftime lead for the Texans. And then it's a it's a 30-27 final for Cincinnati. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's how I see that game going down. Now, would you or I be sh- or anyone be shocked if the Bengals go out and they win by 21 plus? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Because uh, they do look like they've kind of gotten back into uh, what we're accustomed to seeing from the Bengals. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to stay in that division for one of the plays that I like. I really like the Browns this week. They're playing on the road against Baltimore, plus six, plus six and a half in some space, uh, some places. Wager Attack actually does have a plus six and a half. One of the few places that you get that. So shout out to Wager Attack. That hook might save us. I like it, man. Look, they played earlier in the year in Cleveland, and that was the game that us two got screwed on because we had yep. to submit our picks before the Thursday night game. And then Friday, the report comes out. It's like, oh, yeah, Watson might not play. We're like, how? He practiced on Wednesday. What the hell? And then they ruled him out (laughs) Saturday. And it's like, damn, dude. You know, and the double burn was that we lost on the Thursday night game that we locked in. Right. We would have we basically lost two games on our record because of that decision to bench him. But I like this spot because it's in division. They obviously know each other really well. Lamar's coming off a lot of momentum the last couple of weeks. And it's something really interesting with Lamar. He dominates the NFC. He dominates non-division opponents in the AFC. Kind of struggles against the AFC North, which makes sense, right? Like they see him two times a year, sometimes three times a year when they play them in the playoffs. So it's not as a big shock to their system when they see a Lamar Jackson. They're like, oh, bro, we see this guy two, three times a year. Where like other teams, dude, he's 18 and one against the NFC, right? So I'm basically what I'm saying is uh, I, I hope you're on the Browns because I am. Yeah, so I've gotten to the point where I'm not fading the Ravens anymore mm-hmm. uh, because they were my preseason pick to win, win the Super Bowl, right? I have Lamar Jackson to win the MVP. So I'm just not fading the Ravens anymore from a betting standpoint. Now, if you want to take the, the Browns in the contest, I'm, I'm all for that because you're right. It is the right betting spot there. Um, but I think L- Lamar Jackson's also just on like one of the kind of like Mahomes was last year, man, like that FU tour. Yeah. The FU tour for sure. And, and dude, they're a cover machine when they're a favorite too. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know historically Lamar Jackson as a home favorite of like six or more. Historically, he hasn't been great against the spread. Um, but this year he's yeah, this year he's definitely a cover machine. 
What one game I do want to ask you about because I think this is an interesting game. What do you think of the the Lions Chargers? Shit, shit, and more shit. <laughs> the Lions, oh, the Lions have, dude. The Lions have ninety percent of the tickets coming in on them, and mm-hmm. the Chargers are at home with no home field advantage. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also kind of like I might be done with Jay Herbo, bro. And I was, I dude. Was, he doesn't. He does not look good. Listen, man. You, dude. You have one of silent golf clap for you. I think that's one of your best takes. A uh, a, a better, better optics. Jay Cutler, like he looks the part. But dude, yep. He, like how many more excuses we gotta give this guy, bro? And like I've punted away so much money on the Chargers and on Justin Herbert for MVP, and I've defended him every time. But it, it upset me so much on Monday Night Football, even though they covered. I was like, bro, come on, dude. And then you dive into his numbers. He's like 9 and 15 against playoff teams the last two years, 2 and 5 against Mahomes, which, granted, it's Mahomes, right? Like, we get that. But 500 against Denver, and they've been shit. <laughs> you're up two games. You're two games above 500 on the Raiders. Congratulations, bro. Congratulations. But come on, dude. It's, I don't know. And he looks like he checks. I feel like he has elite, elite traits. Might be yep. kind of mid, bro. But I think this is the um, this is the last week where I'm willing to to put my money on Justin Herbert. If he if he does me wrong this week, I, I think I'm done. I feel like I could get behind that. I feel like I could because yeah. I like the number. Like how good does the chart does a char- how like good does a Chargers plus three ticket feel there? You know, just feels even a money line man. Like what are they probably plus like one twenty six something like that? Feels beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, feels like a winner. <laughs> that smile. I know you're gonna hit me up on Friday and be like, "Hey, man, I think we should put the charges in." And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna get behind it too. I'm gonna get behind it. I just know how I am. Um, Kenny, give yeah, us a. The charges have done us dirty so so many times. Already. They owe us. They owe us one. All right, let's end the show with this, man, because we got uh, we got to wrap up here. Um, I had something planned, but we'll do that another time. Let's do. Uh, what's our favorite bet of the week? Of the ones we discussed, what do you think? Texans plus seven. Hands down. Uh, I love the first half spread, probably plus three and a half. If you get it now, it might be plus four. Um, I could I could see that going maybe even seven and a half. If, uh, if it gets there, I like that obviously more than seven. But yeah, Texans plus seven, I love it. I think they're going to be up at the half. Um, I, I really like that spot for them. Okay. I could get I could get behind the Texans. Again, like I had said, I, I think I don't think I could bet the Bengals this week. It has to be a dog or pass. So I could definitely get behind that one. Um and I think I think I'm gonna go with Dallas, bro. Big point spread, but minus seventeen, I think I think they win by like thirty. I know I said it earlier in the year that they were gonna win by forty, but I can't see how the Giants could get to ten points and I think Dallas could get to thirty. So right there, that's a 20-point spread right there. So, um, yeah, if we could get like 16 and a half, 17 in the contest when the lines come out tomorrow, I'm going to I'm gonna try to talk you into that one, bro. That's a scary one, but I, I don't really love this week. I, you know, I, I like the Texans. I like a few other spots. There's not, a, there's not, a, a, there's not that many games where I'm like, oh, I absolutely love this spot. So uh, I, I might be down to ride with, with you on that one. All right, bro. Let the people know where they could find you on social. 
Uh, Kenny bets big on social Instagram, uh, all that stuff here. Veterans minimum once a week. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right, man. We'll catch you, uh, next week. Yeah. Be good, baby. Let's, uh, talk to you soon and let's have a winning, winning week. Five, five and oh, we need, we need, we deserve a five and oh week. All right. Let's end on that. I love it. I love it. I'm a gold medalist, bronze like your medalist. So many deer in headlights, but it's bedtime. Hear that supper bell, main course, beat a venison. Zab. Most dangerous game. Either kill or be killed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.